0: You're listening to a podcast from Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, whose mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Well, good morning. My name's Chris, and I get the, uh, the privilege of preaching this morning. And so as we start, uh, I thought that we... Um, let start with a little activity. Um, <laughs> see how it goes. Um, so, who remembers the game "Follow the Leader"? All right? Follow the Leader. Got a few out there. So, uh, what I want you to do is to get up and follow the leader. Go. It's <laughs> a good question. Who's the leader? Who's the leader? (laughs) And as you're as you're following the leader, I, I mean, it looks like we have a couple factions here. You know, um, t- two different groups. Some that are choosing not to participate at all. Uh, someone who just thinks this is a little silly and awkward. Um, but as you follow the leader, this leader is is going somewhere, right? This leader is doing something. This leader is taking you somewhere, right? <laughs> All right, well, I think, I think you get the point. Go ahead and, and uh, make your way back to your seats if you haven't already. <clears throat> Ready to go, John. Take initiative. <laughs> <clears throat> So that may have felt a little awkward or felt a little silly, and because of that, some of you may have chosen not to participate or participated begrudgingly. But I think in this life, we are all seeking after something. We're all searching, we're all looking, and as we are searching and as we are looking, we choose to follow these different things, We follow after these different activities or these different people or these different ways of life. And as we are doing that, we're doing it because what we are looking for is life. We're looking for something that is going to give us more than what we have been experiencing in the day-to-day. We're looking for something more than what we have experienced thus far. And what I think that we are looking for is is a kingdom type of living. As we call this, this new sermon series, Kingdom Living, as we look through the book of John, of what it looks like to have, have, have a, a life that seeks after Jesus. So as we are looking for something, as we are looking for what will bring us life, we, we have to question who or what are you looking to or after to bring you life? And, and I believe that our text this morning is going to support the, the, the title to our, our series, Kingdom Living, and that in the Kingdom Living is what brings us life. It brings us life through the King, who is Jesus. And that life comes uh, in, in two ways, I think, as it's going to be outlined this morning. It comes through following, and it comes through believing. So now we, we've we, Josh opened up the book of John last week as we talked about light coming into the darkness and, and grace coming down. And now we're, we're skipping ahead a little bit, so lay the context here. What has happened before we get to our text here in John chapter 1, verses 35 through 51, is that uh, there's this, this preamble about John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is the forerunner. He's the one who came to like lay the way of Jesus who is coming. And not only that, the the text talks about that Jesus came to John the Baptist, and that John baptized him. And as he baptized him, the Spirit descended on him in power, and and then we get to where we are now. So if you would open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 1, verses 35 through 51. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, whether it's on a piece of paper or a lovely smartphone or tablet with you, you can go ahead and look up on the screen because it's going to be there as well. Um, and we, here we usually stand in honor of God's word as we read. So I ask that you would stand with me as we read John chapter 1, verses 35 through 37. So after John the Baptist has given his testimony and after Jesus has been baptized, it says in chapter 30, verse 35, the next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, We don't know what the 10th hour is typically in our context. That was about 4 p.m. They stay with him much of the day. Um, and then one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas. Cephas I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You may be seated. Kingdom living. We're all looking for life. We're all looking for what will bring us life. And I believe in this text it is saying that kingdom living brings life, and it brings life by following after the King, who is Jesus. So, life through Christ comes first by following. As it says in in the text here, we, we follow in a couple of different ways. One of the ways that you may follow is kind of searchingly or inquisitively At the testimony of another person. As it says in verses 37 through 39, the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. So they, the, these people weren't just like some, some random guys. These two men were already the disciples of another person. These were the disciples or apprentices or followers of John the Baptist. See, they had already been following John the Baptist around in, in the wilderness, doing all these weird things, probably dressing a little funny and eating these funny sandwiches of insects and honey and, and, and doing these different things, and then they, they knew as John was speaking and as John was talking, John taught as he was, was paving the way. He said, I'm not the one that, that you're looking for. You know, I'm not the one that, that all of these texts that we have studied and that we have poured over for all of our lives is pointing to, but I'm pointing towards that person, I'm pointing towards that one. I'm pointing towards this life source. I am not the life source, but I am pointing towards this life source. And as that life source comes into being and comes into the presence of the people, John exclaims, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as they had already been following John and they trusted in him and they, be- they believed in what he was saying, as the lamb that was presented was revealed, they chose to follow that individual. And they followed that individual because they trusted the testimony of another person. You see, and they, they, were, they were kind of inquisitive. See, John had said these things, and they had been studying these things for, for a lot of their life, and so they're like, okay, I'm, maybe I should check this out. Right? Like we've, we've read all these scriptures of the Old Testament and all these stories of, of the, the Exodus and, and Moses and, and how he led these people and how God had called them into a better thing. And, and now you're telling me that, that this is the person? I'm interested in that. I think I might need to go and, and check this out and see what this is all about. And so they, their interest was piqued Their interest was intrigued as they wanted to follow after this person who was spoken of. And then um, it says that this Jesus was a rabbi. Now, we don't use the term rabbi that often in our culture unless you are Jewish. I don't think we have any Jewish people in the audience right now. No. Um, So a rabbi is a teacher, as it says. And, And in the context of the scripture, a rabbi was somebody who had followers, People who would, would follow after them. And as people would follow after a rabbi, they wouldn't just like uh, casually follow after him all the time. They would follow after a rabbi intentionally. And, and they would follow after a rabbi with purpose. They would, they would spend their life seeking after this individual. They would try and do everything they could to emulate this individual. They would try to dress like that person. They would try to change their mannerisms so that it was like that person, they would want to talk like that person, they would want to do the things that that person did. And in this time there were lots of rabbis. John the Baptist was a rabbi. Some of the Pharisees were rabbis. So there were all of these, pe- these, these options out there, I guess you could say, of, of who people were going to follow after. Kind of as we did that activity to start this morning, there, there were a couple different options of who you could follow and who the leader was that you were going to choose to follow. And so in the midst of this, they have this testimony of who this individual is, of who this Jesus is, that this Jesus isn't just some normal person, but this is who John the Baptist was pointing to all of his life. And he was pointing to him that they might have life. So they went and they followed after him. And many of us in here, we might follow after different things to to get life. It might be a person... you know, if you are into social media, we follow all sorts of things on Facebook or Instagram, and, and um, we, we want to get inspiration from that, you know, whether it's inspiration on how to remake your home so that it is a bright and cheery and, and, and uplifting place so that you might feel encouraged, or the stories of another person and how they are living their life abundantly and, and having these great adventures and, and awesome experiences, or if it's somebody who's sharing these these encouraging pictures or images or, or a product that might, like, revolutionize the way that you live. We're, we're looking for that encouragement. And so we, we follow after them. We, we like them. We, we double-tap and we give them that heart as we follow after what they are, what they are giving to us. <clears throat> but the text says that life comes through following Christ. And that might start inquisitively for you. That might start just at the intrigue of of, uh, somebody who who says something that piques your interest. Or a friend who who gives you the testimony of, of a life changed by what Christ has done in their life. Or a story that you may just be baffled by and so you're coming to check it out. There are different stages as we are on this journey of following after Jesus. Another way that we can follow after Jesus is that we follow uh, that life comes through Christ and following after him and following intentionally at the call that is given. As it says in verses 43 through 46, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? See, as Jesus was going along, he went to another place, and as he walked by this person, this man, Philip, he saw him and he intentionally pointed him out and he said, You come and follow. Me. He was called out. He wasn't just like checking it out or, or giving these uh, these options. He he was said, "Hey, you come and follow me." So there was an intention at that. He wasn't just following some some random thing. He wasn't just kind of out there wandering, searching. He was following a specific person who identified him and called him into it. It wasn't random. He was following at the instruction of a specific person. And I think that that's another way that we come to follow as well. We are followed, we, are, we come to follow because we are called specifically into this life of following after Christ. We are called specifically into this newness of life as it is revealed to us whether it's Jesus that comes along and you meet him in an in-particular way and he calls you into life, or whether it is a friend or a family member or a coworker who comes alongside of you and says, hey, I see that you are looking for life and that you haven't found it. I know this life source. Come and follow me and find this life. Come and seek after what I am seeking after together and find this life. See, inherent in this is this idea of not doing it alone. See, I think a lot of times as we follow after God, we, we try and make it this personal or private thing that is, that is just us in God, you know? And don't get me wrong, there is a personal and private aspect of it, but God never meant for us to just try and do this as a one-on-one sort of thing, That's really hard, right? It's really hard to live life one-on-one. It's really hard to live life isolated and trying to do it all by the the strength of your own might, right? So God calls us to do it with others. And part of that is, is that Jesus, as he called Philip, he was not at the exact same spot as Philip was, right? Being God, he was obviously in a different spot than him. And so I think that what God is trying to do here is he's saying you, you get life by following after Christ. You follow after Christ in different ways. You might be in a different spot on this journey. You might be just starting out and thinking, well, who is this? Maybe I need to just feel this out a little bit more as, as Josh asked these questions last week of, of where are you possibly on this spectrum of faith? Are you, are you just starting out and you're questioning and you're willing like, well, maybe, I'm, I'm not sure. Are you just kind of going through the motions or are you like in the, in the dredges of life or anywhere on that spectrum, Jesus says, come and follow me. Follow me wherever you are at on the spectrum, but follow me. And inherent in following is action, right? I was, uh, I was driving down the road the other day and I saw... Um, This kid on a bicycle, trying to ride their bicycle along with uh, a parent or a friend or whatever who was walking. Two totally different modes of transportation, right? What we see a lot of times here in Portland, people walking and riding bikes. But there is one thing inherent in riding a bike. If you don't move at a specific pace, you're going to fall over, right? If you just are, are barely meandering along the bike is going to fall over, and you're going to crash, and you're going to get hurt. So inherent in that is that this idea of pace in movement. Pace in movement is this idea of that you, you are going somewhere, and you're trying to get there, and you go at different rates, but you're constantly moving. See? As you're riding a bike, maybe you're going to the grocery store, and you're going to go at different paces when you start out. When you start out, you might be really excited of, like, the the toy or the treat or the experience that you're going to have of going to the grocery store, and so you just get on that bike and you pedal super hard, and you are just zooming along, cutting around traffic and and, and getting there in a hurry. Or maybe it's a task and you just know you have to do it. You do it every Monday and you hate going to the grocery store, but you know it needs to be done, and so you get on your bike and you just kind of leisurely pedal to get there. But you know that if you go too slow, you're never going to get to the grocery store, and you're probably going to fall over and hurt yourself. So there are different paces that you must go on in order to get there and to get back. You might go fast at times. You might go slow. There might be times where you have to stop for a traffic light. And as we are following after Jesus, whether it's inquisitively or intentionally, it takes action and it takes pace right? If you are going too slow in following after Jesus, you're probably gonna fall. You're gonna fall off, or you might fall away, and you might look after something else. If you're going too fast in following after Jesus, you might burn out, right? You might use up all that Jesus energy and excitement that you have in you, and it just burns up, and then you have nothing left. God calls us to follow after him at different rates, right? And all of us in this room are at a different spot in that journey of following after Jesus, right? Some of us may be like way up here, and we're just kind of humming along because we are used to following at that pace. Others of us might be, be way down here, and we're just starting out, and we feel like we're crawling, but we're moving, right? We're crawling consistently, and that's okay. God doesn't say, you must follow me, and you must follow me exactly in this pace and exactly in this way because it's a one-size-fits-all sort of situation, right? God doesn't say that. God, in, in, in the revelation of Scripture, calls all people from all lands and tribes and kingdoms and tongues and nations to follow after him. And inherent in that is variability, right? Everybody is in this process of following after God. And as we follow after God, we do it together, and there are different paces that we do it at. Right? Life comes by following, and it comes by following after Jesus, who is the Christ. And inherent in that, it also says that, that they come and they do this, and, and part of it is that they're not sure. You know, they're checking it out, but they're coming to see. Jesus says, follow me. And they say, well, where are you going? What are you doing? What's going on? Jesus' response is, come come and see, right? I'm not going to tell you it all at once. Come and see. Come and be with me. Come and live with me. Come and experience this life of living with Christ, is another way to say that, right? Come and check this out. It's not gonna, you're not going to get it all at once, Right? It's going to be a process, but come and see. Come and live with me. Come and experience and have life. Life comes by following. But not only that, life through Christ comes by believing. Right? It comes, two of the ways it is expressed here in the text, is that one of them, it comes by belief in the Messiah, and that a belief changes you. As it says in verses 41 through 42, Andrew went and he found his brother, Simon Peter, and as he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter, or rock, or foundation, See, inherent in, in here is that you are believing in something. Believing in something that is going to give you life. And as revealed in the text, the one that they are c- believing in is Jesus. And this Jesus isn't just some, like, random person. Jesus is the Messiah. Messiah. That's not a word that we use a lot in this language. Or, or Christ, even. Like, we call Jesus Christ, and some of us might use that in a, in a profane way or a blessing way or whatever, but we use this word. What this word means is anointed one, king, leader, person worthy of being followed after. See, all throughout the Scripture in the Old Testament, when God rose up kings on behalf of leading his people, because the people wanted kings— each king was anointed by somebody. They were anointed by a priest, by a prophet of God, as somebody who was identified as being filled with the Spirit of God in such a way that they would lead his people into prosperity and blessing and a life of seeking after him. And so as, as, as Andrew is saying to his brother, he's saying, hey, we've, we found this one. You know, we... We've read about how there were all these other kings that had been brought up that God had anointed and that they had led his people in various ways, some of them amazingly and blessing all of his people and bringing great abundance to his name and blessing to all the earth. Others did it quite terribly, right? And brought war and brought famine and brought devastation. But none of those anointed kings brought it long term right? They all eventually died, or they all eventually fell away. And they just kind of, they, they got burnt out, or they, they got distracted, and they wandered off the path, and they followed after other things. And so as they, they see this Jesus, and, and they recognize him as the Messiah, there's this hope that is welling up inside of them and saying, maybe, maybe this is the one. Maybe this is the one that is going to be different than all those other great teachers or kings or leaders of the past, and this is going to be the one who leads us into that promised land, the promised place of abundant life and joy in relationship with God, in relation with the king. And at that, it it changed them, you know, even in this, this instant as as um, as Simon came and 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 met with Jesus, he saw something different in him, right? And in that, he changed his name, and and that may not seem like a very big thing to us in our culture, right? We we choose to go by different names all the time. We have we have nicknames. We have affectionate ways that we refer to one another. Um, we, we, we hate our name, and so we go and we legally change it, all of these different things. But in the time of Scripture, your name was valuable. Your name was important. There are chapters and chapters and chapters in this book where all it does is state somebody's name and then list all the other names of everybody in their family because there was importance in that lineage You didn't just go and randomly change your name. But as Jesus saw him coming, he saw something different in him. He saw what was inside and what he could and would become, and he recognized that, and he changed his name. He changed his identity, right? And so I think that that's something that that we need to realize, is that following after God, following after this King Jesus, it brings life, but it also changes you. Right? Like, it doesn't allow you to stay in the same place that you have always been or that you were before. As people, we are always growing. We are always maturing. We are shifting and going this way and that. And even if you don't believe in God, you're not the same today as you were yesterday. Right? And if you were, I think there would be a problem. Maybe time had stopped and you'd been frozen. Uh, But we are always changing, right? And, And Peter is being given this new identity as somebody who is going to be changed for the glory of God that those who need to believe would believe. That those who would need to see who God is would see. And that is an amazing thing. But not only that, Not only belief in the Messiah that changes you and brings life, but belief in a miracle can compel you. As it says in verses 47 through 50, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you Nathaniel answered him, "rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the king of Israel." And Jesus answered him, "Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. This, this is a miraculous event. Nathaniel had never met this person, Jesus before. He had never come face to face with him. He had never probably even heard of him before, even as Philip came and said, hey, we found the one that these scriptures had written about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael was like, really? Because I live pretty close to Nazareth, and (laughs) there's never been word of anything good coming out of that place. Are you sure about this? But Nathaniel, at the bequest of his friend, he comes and he he comes to see. He comes to investigate. He comes to check it out. And as he checks it out and he comes, uh, Jesus recognizes him. Jesus calls him an Israelite indeed. And and this might you know it was lost on me originally. But as he's saying that, he's saying this is a person who is who is truthful. This is a person who there is no lying, there is no deceit, there is no falseness in. He's not trying to deceive or be roundabout and getting something his own way. This is somebody who plays it straight. This is somebody who has a righteous character. And in that, he, he identifies him as this person. He says, you know, I, I know you. I know who you are. And Nathanael says, wait a minute. How do you know me? We have never met. And well, Jesus says, well, you know, before Philip came and got you, I, I saw you. You were sitting under the fig tree, and uh, I know who you are. And at that, it, that's, that's a miracle, right? Like, that, that's not something that happens every day, that you meet somebody who knows exactly where you've been, exactly what you were doing, exactly the type of person that you are, who has never been with you before that you have n- no recollection of and they have that sort of information right and so even at that 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 miracle account nathaniel is like i'm sold this is this is this is the one we've been looking for this is the king of israel and even as he's saying these things, he's identifying him as, as something that the people were, were hoping for. They were hoping for a king. They were hoping for uh, a revolutionary, probably at this time, as, as the people of God were under oppression, right, from the Roman rule. And say so they were looking for a king who would liberate them from oppression of the other, the other rulers at the time. And so this miracle encouraged him to believe. Now, I know we don't talk a lot about miracles here at Red Sea, as we are uh, conservative Baptists. You, you kind of like shy away from those things because they're all this, this gray area where you're like, oh, I'm not really sure what happened. But God used a miracle to compel belief in the person, Nathaniel. And I don't think that it's just reserved for this one instance as we're talking about here. As you look throughout the, the whole account of Scripture, there are miracles that have happened over and over and over again as ways that God reveals himself to people that they may know and follow after him. There was this great story I was reading uh, in preparing for this as it was about these missionaries. These missionaries, I can't remember where they were, um, but they were in this village, and one night, in the village, they heard all this horrible ruckus outside, and they were in a village that was being attacked by cannibals. And as these cannibals were attacking, they just, they just felt inside them. They knew that, that these people were going to be coming through their door next, and that they were the next ones to be attacked. And so this husband and wife, they got down, and they just prayed. They prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and, and amazingly, they made it through the night the sun came up and the, the sound went away and they were able to come out of their hut and be fine. Now, they didn't know why and they didn't know what was going on, but a year later, they're having this conversation with a chief of the tribe. And it comes up and they're like, hey, that, that night, um, why didn't you guys come in and kill us, <laughs> right? Like, that, that was what was going on. Why did you not come after us? And the chief of the tribe said, Well, there was a commotion coming from around your hut. And as we looked over at your hut, we saw a bright array of soldiers dressed in armor surrounding and protecting that place. And so we backed up. And we did not come after you. That was a miracle that happened, right? That was angels that came down around and surrounded these missionaries to protect them that they may continue to reveal the love of God to this tribe. That chief believed at the revelation of a miracle. He was compelled to believe at the revelation of a miracle. And not only that, it just isn't that we're compelled to believe by a miracle. We're compelled to believe In something because of a miracle, right? We're not compelled to believe just in the miracle itself that happened, but the miracle points to something. In that instance, the the miracle pointed to a God who was able to save and to protect his people. Here in the text, the miracle points to a God who is sovereign over all and knows everything. It points to his omnipotence, his knowledge of everything, seen and unseen, that we may not even understand. Right? It points back to the one that we should believe in. Kingdom living brings life. And that life comes through the King who is Jesus. That life comes through following, and that life comes through believing. And as I was talking with my wife a little bit about this, we we kind of got into a little bit of a conversation of, of follow, believe, follow, believe. I think that a lot of times as Christians, we put belief first, right? We say that in order to have this life of following after God, in order to have this life of seeking after Jesus, you have to believe it in first, right? You have to be convinced in your mind or convinced in your person that Jesus is Lord, and then you can do these things. Now, that might be valid in some instances, But I think the reverse is true as well. I think that you can also begin by following, right? You can begin by following after Christ. And as you follow after him, you begin to believe. You take these steps of following after God. And you begin to be convinced that he truly is God. Right? So I don't think that it is like this linear path of start here and end here. I think that it's probably more of a fluid circle, right? Of where there is this spectrum of belief and of following that we are constantly in this transition of where we might start out with this inquisitive uh, of, of seeking out of who is this Jesus? And as we follow after that path, we begin to believe that this is God. This is Messiah, right? Or you could have the opposite and you could have an amazing experience of a revelation of a miracle. Or you could have the testimony of a friend or a family member revealed to you and you could just be like, that's it, I believe. Like it's as simple as that. God does an amazing work. But I don't think that we should narrow it to one or the other. We don't get to put God in a box, right? God reveals himself that we might follow and believe. And all of this happens that we may have life through Christ that may bring communion with God. As we, as we, as we come to the close here, we, we can't ignore the way that this section of Scripture ends and begins. It ends with verse 51, where it says, and he said to him, this is Jesus talking, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In here, this is a hearkening back to Genesis chapter 28, when Jacob, who became Israel, was running for his life from his brother because he had stole something from him, and he was scared. And in the midst of him being scared and running away, God met him in the land, in this desert oasis, and revealed a vision like this to him. He revealed the vision of the ascending and descending of angels, like on this ladder in the midst of that. And he, he was changed because of that revelation. His name was changed. His identity was changed. He worshiped God in that place. Well, What Jesus is saying here is that I am this portal. I am this place where heaven and earth meet and grace abounds among you that you may have life and life to the full, right? You may have been seeking it after some other place. You may have been seeking life of some other location, but in the person of Jesus Christ is the union of heaven and earth coming together that life may be abundantly experienced, Abundantly experienced in the here and now, right? He doesn't just say, well, you might see this someday. Um, you know, someday when you, when you die and you get to heaven, you'll, you'll see these things. He says, no, you will see. And he's not just talking to Nathaniel here. This, this you that he is using is plural. He is talking to everybody who may believe that he is the Christ. That in this person is heaven revealed. In this person is life abundant. In this person is grace poured out for us. But how does that happen? That happens because of what verse 36 says. The next day again, John was standing with the two disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. This is only possible, this union of heaven and earth coming together in the person and work of Jesus, that we may be able to experience here today because Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God. Jesus was the perfect offering that needed to be given on behalf of the people who wanted to seek and follow after him and believe in his name. In the history of the the Old Testament, the lamb that was slain was, a, was an offering to God on behalf of the people that it would cover and atone for the sins of the people, for the, the brokenness of their life, for the rebellion, for the, for the lying and the stealing and the, and the hate for one another, the rebellion and the angst, the frustration and the running. For all these things, they would bring the lamb and they would slay it and the blood would cover the sin. But it would only work for a temporary amount of time. It wouldn't work eternally. But that's why Jesus is so different. Jesus is the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. He's not just some random sacrifice. He's not just some some random offering to cover up some, some little secret. It is the Lamb of God it was offered up for the salvation of the world, right? Of all people. That all people might be able to come to him and experience this union of heaven and earth coming together as we follow and believe. As we follow and believe. And we remember that sacrifice, right? Here, here at Red Sea, we, we try and do that every week. As we are forgetful people, we get into these rhythms of life that we have outside of these walls, and and we forget. We forget that Jesus is the Messiah. We forget that a miracle has been revealed to us. We forget that we are meant to follow after this amazing God inquisitively and intentionally, and we get distracted. But as we come here, we get to refocus. We get to realign our lives. And we get to realign our center on what it is that brings life to us. And part of that is that we get to come to these tables. We get to come to these tables and we get to participate and receive communion. A symbol, a representation of this perfect Lamb of God that was slain. Whose body was hung up on a cross whose blood flowed out abundantly, that we may have newness of life in him. So as you, as you kind of sit in in this, as Billy begins to play, and as you feel led to come, I, I offer to you to come to these tables, to come to these tables and receive the bread, which is a symbol of his body, to receive the blood the, the, the juice or the wine, which is a symbol of the blood that covers over all of us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that heaven and earth have met in this person. That we get the privilege of getting to follow after you and that we get to believe in the Son of Man, and that that might be a a messy process, that that might be something that we are uncertain of, or um, at all different levels in seeking after. But God, I pray that you would encourage us to continue to follow after you. Encourage us to continue to believe in the midst of the messiness of life, in the midst of the brokenness of minds, in the the, the uncertainty of thoughts and the, um, the reality of, of life around us, even in the abundance of joy, that we would still follow after you and believe. I praise things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please visit us at www.redseachurch.org or contact us at info at redseachurch.org.